Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Mental Jacket. Thank you for having me. Thank you for choosing to listen to me talk to you. It is a great privilege and honor, and uh, I don't take it for granted. I know there is a shitload of things to listen to and watch and read and do. Uh, Nobody reads, but, uh, you know, things to occupy your time. So I appreciate you choosing this podcast. Um, It means a lot to me, and I hope it's uh, helpful, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, if you'd like to uh, help out, spread the word. If you enjoy the podcast, tell some people. Tweet it out, Instagram it out, Facebook, whatever you do, Snapchat, or uh, what's the other one? The... uh, Oh, fuck. I can't even think of it. Maybe that's a good sign. I can't think of it. TikTok. TikTok it out. Facebook it. Email it. Text somebody or phone call somebody. Go see somebody, you know, with your mask or distance. Whatever the hell. Sorry, I just burped. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for doing it. And uh, give a nice review. And check it out on YouTube. There's that We have a video up on YouTube now. It's on the laugh button. Go uh, hit them up. Subscribe to them. And uh, you can watch it or you can listen to it. You can do whatever. I mean, you're consuming it right now. Maybe you are on the YouTube. However you're doing it, thank you. And um, if you'd like to support financially, you're welcome to Venmo me at Joe List Comedy. But certainly not uh, necessary. Uh, these are tough times, obviously. But um, some people have done that and it is very much appreciated. But certainly not required in any way. Anyways... How are you? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I uh, I feel like I'm doing better than I've ever been doing, mentally, that is. And uh, physically, I'm doing pretty good. For a 38-year-old, been running every day. That helps me a lot. I have to cut down on the running because I'm 38 and I live in New York and the cement running is starting to hurt my knee and my back and uh, my planter. But uh, so doing a, a little less running, but exercise daily, and I'm waking up and meditating. I think if you wake up, meditate, exercise, you're going to be a lot better off. I've been meditating twice daily now. I highly recommend, I think I talk about it in this episode with Greg, I highly recommend the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. It's amazing. I also use the Calm app every morning. Um, both are great, but Sam Harris has a ton of interviews and talks and exercises and uh, it's just fantastic i also recommend therapy and reaching out to friends as much as possible and uh, also i'm reading a fantastic book that i love called a guide to the good life the ancient art of stoic joy by william b irvine which i learned about from the sam harris app and it's all about stoicism which is similar to buddhism and uh, it's really great and i'll have a stoic quote from Marcus Aurelius in just a moment, but I wanted to tell you about uh, this episode. Uh, My friend Greg Warren is on and uh, very excited. If you don't know Greg Warren, you should. Fantastic comedian with uh, a brand new special on Amazon Prime that you should go check out. It's called Where the Field Corn Grows, um, and I believe it'll be an album form in just a couple weeks. Comes out the same day as my wife, Sarah Talamash's album, uh, called Voluptuous Boy. So that'll be a fun day if you're an album listener. Sarah and Greg's albums both come out. But Greg's special is available now on Amazon Prime. Greg Warren, he is one of my dear friends. Um, I don't get to see him too much anymore. He moved back to uh, St. Louis a couple of years ago. But um, 
just a really, really great guy. There are very few people I love and respect more. He's just a guy that is um, thoughtful and hilarious and just a good person, the kind of guy uh, I could just call and he would do any favor for me. Um, and there's, there's not a ton of people like that. I guess I have more people like that in my life than most. I'm very, uh, fortunate, but, um, just a really good guy. He's the kind of guy that, uh, you know, your, your wife is, uh, you're out of town and you need someone to, you know, take your wife to the Oscars or something like that. You know, those, those things people do sometimes and they're like, Hey, you take her out. Sure. Good. Like Pulp Fiction, but no heroin. Hopefully my point is I love the guy and, um, that's not even mentioning the fact that he was a division one all American college wrestler, which we talk about, and also one of the best comedians in the world. Um, and you'll see that when you check out his special or met one of his several albums, truly great comic, great guy, and was thrilled to have him on. And, uh, we had a great conversation. We go a little bit off topic a couple of times because, uh, we're good friends. We don't get to see each other too much and haven't, talk to each other in a while. So at one point I talk about Woody Allen's autobiography and we, we talk a little bit about um, just stand up comedy, but there are uh, mental health through lines in there and it's a part of my life in every aspect. So anytime I'm talking in some way, I'm talking about mental health, but we talk about his OCD. We talk about my OCD. We talk about the pressures of um, athletics and uh, show business for us, but relatable, even if you're not familiar with are not involved in those things, but, um, Greg tells some really great stories. We had some really great laughs. I enjoyed the hell out of the conversation. So I hope you enjoy it as well. There's some comedy talk. There's some wrestling talk. There's some OCD talk, some therapy. Um, and there's a lot in there and I think, uh, you'll enjoy it and I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Um, I'm still feeling good after that. And then, uh, after we were done recording, uh, Sarah and I caught up with Greg for a little while after and had some good laughs. So just a great guy. And you're going to um, get to experience a little bit of that. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, here's a little quote, as promised, from Marcus Aurelius, who's a famous Stoic. And I recommend looking into Stoicism. And here is the quote that I think you'll like. Think of life. Oh, fuck. I already screwed it up. I really hate myself. Think of the life you have lived until now as over, and as a dead man, see what's left as a bonus and live it according to nature. Love the hand that fate deals you and play it as your own, for what could be more fitting? Hmm? That's a nice one, folks. Chew on that for a moment. Maybe hit pause and just chew on it, or just go right into this conversation with the wonderful Greg Warren. And when you're done, check out his new special and follow him on all the things. You won't regret it. Thank you for being here. Bye. We're recording. This is it. It's always hard to start a podcast. It's like starting a stand-up set. <laughs> That's always, not easy. It always feels weird. Like Louis had that bit about or a joke about it. Like the first thing you always say is always just feels stupid. Oh, it does. And then I realized that I've, I have said this, the first thing for years when I go on, I say something like, oh, it's, gr it's great to be here. Or, oh, just shut up. Come on, man. Yeah. 
I've said this is exciting every show I like I've ever that. done. Like, hey, this is exciting, huh? That's good. And then normally nobody does anything. I go, okay, or not. And it gets a laugh. And <laughs> yeah. I just end up doing it every time. And I say to myself, I'm not going to do it this time. And then I do. But uh, it's, it's never easy to start something. And then all of a sudden, with the, especially with the podcast, every podcast I've ever started starts with, okay, here we are. We're <laughs> podcasting now. Yeah. I mean, but then when, you know, and after post-production, there's some music or something. And, you know, with your podcast, you got a nice, a nice quote at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you for listening to the- I uh, have. I've, I, I, I've listened. It's, uh, it's really good, man. So it's, huh. it's, it's, it's uh, transformed me in a, in a few ways, actually, man. Really? Is that true? It is true. Yeah. I, uh, I uh, started uh, meditation for the first time in my life. Oh, great. How's it working? Pretty good. You know, I'm not going to say that I've uh, been diligent about it, but I, I had a good uh, two-week run, and I was like, I'm f feeling like uh, doing what I'm supposed to do. And then I went on the road for a little while, and then I uh, got busy with some things, and I started up again, and it's like, it's, one, it's like writing, where it's like, um, I don't do it every day, but the days that I don't, I know that I should. So now it's been one of the, or, or, or working out. Like now it's this thing where like, well, I, I, I know I need to do that. Yeah. I, it is similar to working out and the idea of, I was just listening to Sam Harris, who I'm like obsessed with. His app is great. Waking That's up. That's I got that app. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's tremendous. He's great. And, um, but he was talking about one of the things that makes meditation difficult for people to understand or wrap their head around or begin is that there's no uh, visualization where we have, we can see people physically transform their bodies. Like people are like, all right, I'm going to whatever they get into training and you see people lose 30 pounds and get ripped who didn't used to be. And so you understand that if I commit physically, I can transform my body physically, but it's hard to see or notice that you are able to transform yourself mentally. Yeah. So it's hard for people to get there and understand that like through meditation or therapy or whatever it is that you can transform yourself mentally the same way you can physically. Yeah, I did. I, I just started doing the, the waking up thing. Um, and I originally did the 10% um, uh, happier or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's Dan, Dan Harris. I Dan think. Harris. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think I heard about from you. Um, and uh, I liked both of them. You know, uh, I may go go back and forth. We'll see. I told yeah. somebody, this is how stupid I am, man. I, t I think it was Nikki Glazer was like, she's a big meditation uh, advocate. And she was telling me about, uh, you know, Sam Harris. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that guy's brother. And she's like, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. This is stupid. I thought the same thing. And it is confusing because they're both one syllable Harris's. And I've wondered if um, they hate each other or they know each other. Oh, they do, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah, those guys, no way they, yeah. Do you have, like, is there a story or you're just assuming? No, no, I don't have I just <laughs> Joe, Joe, I know human beings, okay? And they don't care for you. I know competition. I know business. Yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of which, Sarah and I, we, I bought, I have a smart, I didn't buy a smart scale. They sent me one. Withings sent me a smart scale for this podcast. They were our sponsor for a little bit and it's great. And I use it and you can hook it up to your phone. And I've been telling Sarah like, hey, you got to hook it up to your phone. It, it, it keeps track of your body mass index and your fat percentage, your muscle. And so she finally hooked it up 
and we just came off a week's vacation in Maine where we were eating ice cream every day and the whole thing. And she looked up her, and I don't want to give away too many details, but she looked up her fat percentage. We typed it in and it has her as like above average. And there's a line that says athlete and average. And she's like right on that line. And that not athlete, um, fitness, it's called fitness. And then above that is athlete. And I put mine in and I'm in the same spot between fitness and athlete. So mine is greater and it's the situation. I mean, she's, I'm sleeping on the couch. She's upset. She uh-huh. threw shit at me. <laughs> I, I, I can't, Sarah's never looked anything but, you know, beautiful, like, Ex- uh, you know, in shape and beautiful. Never. Exactly. Thank you. Well, yeah. first of all, I, I'm like, we just got back from a trip and she's mad. I mean, she's not actually mad or actually <laughs> upset, but she is like, you eat cinnamon roll, a cinnamon roll every day. <laughs> and I'm like, you can see she's just mad about it but i think also i'm four years younger and i also i think i do a lot more push-ups so maybe i have muscle or maybe i'm just better than her maybe she sucks you know i don't know yeah yeah it could be that i'm, I'm gonna probably say no but uh yeah i uh those things it's really i don't trust any of those um ways to measure your body because i i was i wrestled in college and we did like a lot of cutting weight and just insane stuff and they would try to measure our body fat and there it's a, it's really, really hard to get an accurate body fat uh, percentage. Uh, one of my buddies, I, like in the preseason one time they tested him and he was like, he was insanely, he, he was a, he's a college athlete and, and uh, Darren Davis, I remember, and they had him at like 16% body fat or something just cause he had loose skin, you know, it's a skin fold test. And, uh, I remember our coach is like, face the facts, Davis, you're fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, I mean, that's hard to hear because that's right around where I'm hovering is 16%. Well, I mean, yeah, but you're not a college rock. wrestler and you're 20 <laughs> years old either, you know? Right, right. That's a good point. Because you hear about people with, I don't know any of it. I just Googled it and it said I was an athlete, which is nice. Or I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fitness, but, but bordering athlete. But um, I hear about people about 1% fat. He's got 0% body fat and all this stuff. And uh, I don't know what any of it means, but I think I'm like 15% or something. But back to what, kind of what we were talking about is sometimes these things, you think they're going to have a positive spin. You're like, I can keep track of this stuff. But what happens is you start obsessing and it becomes like counterproductive. Yeah. yeah. Like I opened the app and like my muscle percentage was, it's like a little arrow that says down and my yeah. fat percentage says up. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what am I going to do? So I'm just doing pushups. Like <laughs> just, 10 minutes after eight. <laughs> just to try to influence the app. You're doing a few extra pushups. Yeah. yeah it's ridiculous. And, and checking ha- it again. Oh God. And Sam Harris was talking about that on his app too, because they have like the meditation streak. It shows you how many days in a row you've meditated, but that becomes counterproductive because then you're like, oh my God, I lost my streak. And then I've done it before where it's like 11.50 PM and I haven't meditated. So I'm like, shit, let me go (laughs) meditate right now in the middle of this movie just so I can keep my streak going, which is- Yeah, I don't think that's the intent. Uh I'm doing I, I, I really do owe you, man. I, I, I listened. I think it was, um, uh, it might've been the one that you did with Sarah or, uh, Vecchione or somebody where, where I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this thing. I've known for some time that I needed to try meditation. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I mean, it's really, um, it's really helping me and I do it a couple times a day now. And then on that app, the Sam Harris app, there's these, um, they called meta meditation and it's like a loving kindness meditation. Have you used those at all? No, no. I'm just mostly like doing the basics. I'm, I'm, I'm early on. Um, um, yeah. 
I can't help but wonder um, I, this morning when I was doing it, uh, you know, they were talking about, you know, just begin again is, the, is sort of which really, really resonates with me for a lot of reasons. But uh, I, I, somebody has to have had a sketch out there or about like a bad meditation coach, you know, <laughs> like, like the guy like, nope, nope, you blew it. You blew it. <laughs> you blew it. No, nah, it's not no, no point in starting over. You blew it. <laughs> like you lost concentration. I don't <laughs> Yeah. That, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's the thing that I, I was trying to meditate with my family this week in Maine, like do like a group meditation. And I you have to try to explain to people is like, don't the number one thing you shouldn't do is judge yourself of like, yeah. I suck. Cause that's what I, tend to do and like you're probably like that too you're a comedian and an athlete like maybe a former athlete i don't know but um, well, joe i don't i don't have your app so i really wouldn't know what to... <laughs> uh, i could type in the numbers after the show yeah, yeah. but um but you have that competitive thing and that's what's hard with meditation is that letting go like i do have that thing of like i suck i'm blowing it this is the worst yeah and it's trying to not do that is really difficult to not make it competitive is hard. Yeah. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm pretty, uh, pretty new, man, but I, I'm grateful, uh, that, uh, you, uh, you guys sort of pointed me in that direction. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad I could help, but, uh, well, the, the, when you get around to it, those, um, loving kindness meditations are great because you sit there and he tells you to like, imagine someone that's easy to love, and it's funny because I picked Mike Vecchione randomly because I oh, had yeah. just been thinking about him. So I like I was telling Katie Hannigan, who is another past guest, who's Mike's girlfriend. I didn't tell him because it felt weird, but I told her that I was like, I did 10 minutes of meditation thinking about your boyfriend. It's <laughs> <laughs> just weird. <laughs> but it's nice. And it's basically just you think about that. You imagine that person. You kind of wish them kindness and happiness and free from suffering. And then you sort of imagine them suffering and then imagine how you truly have this feeling of wanting that suffering to end for them and how you truly genuinely want them happy. And then towards the end of it, he's like, now try to feel that way towards everybody in the world. And then think about yourself that way, which is something that um, I certainly struggle with is like self empathy oh, and self love. Yeah. I'm, and I, I, I have just come around to that sort of line of thinking like you should treat, like I give everybody a break. I mean, people that don't deserve a break, I give them a break. Like, ah, come on. The guy was just going through something, but I, man, but you know, at least seven times a day, I like remember something about myself from and a, you fucking piece of shit. I say, I say that to myself, like, fuck you, Greg. I spent too much time alone during this, but I, I say, I say that uh, out loud uh, to myself, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure I'll ever get to treating myself as, as well as, I would others, but I, I probably need to, to make a, make a step in that direction. Yeah. I was just talking to Sarah about that last night. It's something I've said to her throughout our relationship. And I have to remind myself too, because that thing, that quote, like try to be as kind to yourself as you would be to someone else. And it's actually pretty funny when you think about it, the idea that like, you would never walk up to someone after a set and just be like, you fucking scumbag. That was fucking horrible. You fucking ate it. One guy laughed. Just literally one guy was laughing. 
You know what I mean? Like you would just never, you wouldn't do that to your worst enemy. <laughs> no, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't even think that about my worst enemy. I would give them a break inside. Even if it was terrible, like, ah, you know, everybody has a bad night. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're doing constantly is oh, literally yeah. like yeah. I'm on the train or in a cab just being like, why would you think that was funny? That fucking you blew it. Not even close. Like everything you've ever gotten was bullshit. <laughs> Like, imagine saying that to somebody. Uh, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would be a psychopath. If you, yeah, I would be a psychopath if I said the things to other people that I say to myself. Yeah, or just like expend, spending like extended time staring at someone's body and just, <laughs> oof, <laughs> oof, look at that. Look at those the teeth. What the fuck happened to you? <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. And uh, so, You did this to yourself. You know that. You did this to yourself. You nobody to blame but yourself. It's, it's insane. I mean, it's literally insane behavior. And I remember hearing a story, a reading about, and I think, I think it was like Sarah hates this story because she thinks it's bullshit, but there was some story about someone met the Dalai Lama or was talking to the Dalai Lama and was talking about self hatred, or maybe there was a word or something. And the Dalai Lama was like confused. He was like, "What?" And they're like, "You know, like self hatred." And the Dalai Lama was like, "I don't even. What do you mean, hatred of yourself?" Like they were like, it was like a foreign concept. He couldn't even wrap his head around it. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, I I'm calling bullshit on the Lama. Man, that's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Sarah always says too. Yeah. It's an interesting story, at least, yeah. if nothing yeah, it's, else. It's a great story, Lama. But yeah, you know about it. You know, don't act like you don't know. About it. I might be I, misquoting the story. I might have it wrong. I uh, I also think it's funny. Like sometimes, what I will give myself a break for, and what I won't give myself a break for. You know, like I'll I'll look in the mirror and be I'm eight, I'm fifty two, you know, and I was like, what? I'm just like, nah, what are you doing, man? You gray hair, what the hell is wrong with you, man? Get it together. And then we're like, you know, I don't read for two weeks, and I'm like, ah, you couldn't help it. You know, you could right, right. How am I going to read? There's yeah, a lot going on, that, man. You you know, <laughs> that's really funny. Um, I was reading last night. I felt good. I took a break. I went and read like reading it does it's like all these things i talk about this every week but there's so many things that and you kind of alluded to it earlier there's so many things that you know make you feel better or feel good that you just can't do working out writing reading do you have that yeah i remember having this discussion with you uh, back when i lived in the city so you know it had to be probably five years ago but i i was talking about how like I read for, at that time I was traveling a lot. I, I read, read on planes and said, I would always, you know, it's my only option. I'm just going to read. And I always enjoyed it. And I would, I would like, and I feel so much better about myself. And then as soon as I got off the plane, I'd turn my back on reading until the next time I got on a plane. Like, I'm, not, I'm not reading. Don't, what, what am I going to read for? I don't need to read. I got other stuff, you know, <laughs> and, and I certainly wasn't happier or more empathetic or, or more educated or any of that stuff, the positive stuff that reading does. Yeah. It's, I feel the same way. And it is hard for me here. Cause I just think it's easier to watch a show or watch a yeah. movie. Yeah. And, and I don't, I also think there is value to me in watching movies, you know, it can bring joy. It's art, yeah. but nice to mix in some reading. Yeah. You know I mean, like I'm not, I'm not full, I'm not anti TV or whatever, but, um, 
But it is, so have you read during the, the, the quarantine? A little bit, yeah. I actually, yeah. A, a fairly good amount. I'm reading Woody Allen's biography. I'm reading all controversial stuff. I read that. I, know, I read a book about Woody Allen. I don't know if it was, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I certainly wasn't authorized from what I remember. But this is his, his autobiography, which yeah. I had to order from like England because the distribution, whatever the hell they had, they didn't want to put it out or whatever. But um, it's great because I'm a huge Woody Allen fan and you forget you're like oh there are books that it's like a guy i love telling a story about him making things that i love like i'm not, yeah in your yeah. mind you're like a book ugh. yeah and yeah. it's just like oh here's a guy writing about a thing that i love so it's really great and now he's into the mia farrow section which oh, that's rough yeah he really paints her as like a complete psycho and it's actually quite compelling but really yeah, like, uh, I mean, this is like completely off the rails, but like, he's just like, she would adopt all these kids, like she was shopping for clothes and like a few kids she adopted and then like gave up, like sent back. Oh, and like, how do you yeah. do that? Yeah. And, uh, evidently you can. And she's like changed the names of her kids compulsively. Like some have two or three different names and um, like her father molested her and all her siblings. And she had a sibling that killed himself and another sibling that went to jail. So she's got a, a, a kooky past according to him at least. Um, so who knows, but that's, I feel like it's like completely uh, off the rails here and I don't want to get <laughs> these days, you know, there's be like Joe list pedophile reads yeah, yeah, yeah. Woody Allen books. So it makes me <laughs> yeah, nervous. Yeah. Yeah, any yeah. of this stuff. But um, anyway, I did want to get into um, you were a division one college athlete and yeah, a long time ago yeah. yes yeah many many years ago and I, sometimes i feel like you get um anxious talking about it because you feel i feel like you're too humble sometimes uh no is that, is that true no i don't think so no that's yeah there's probably there's probably, i'm trying to think of like 15 friends of mine and girls would be like no no that's definitely not the case <laughs> Maybe uh, maybe you hearing about that. Maybe you hate talking to me then, because no, I, no, like I, I always I'm, feel like you get you clam up a little bit when I. Bring no, no, up. I've always enjoyed talking to you, man. Yeah, no, ask, I'll talk whatever you want about that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Well, yeah. I'm curious because when I was in high school, I was an athlete on a much lower level. I mean, a high school runner, and I always think in high school. I had, it's a much less uh, fierce and competitive sport than wrestling, or certainly college wrestling, but. I had no anxiety in high school and I contributed really? or attributed it to um, that. I was running seven to nine miles a day and hanging out yeah. with all these guys every day, like from yeah. school would get out at two, our practice at three. So from two to three, we were playing wall ball and Frisbee and just hanging out laughing. And you just felt so connected to this thing. And then also the connection of like a common goal. We were also like an elite cross country and track team that never lost. We didn't lose wow. from 1989 to 2001 after I graduated. And we just never lost a, a spring track. We never lost a meet. We won our conference championship every year. Did um, you run cross country too, Joe? Yeah. Cross country, winter track, spring track. I, and and what, what kind of times did you run, you know, like for, for three miles the, or 5k? The, you know, I don't know now my fastest 5k. But it must have my fastest mile in track was 452. I ran a 452. Yeah. So I, yeah, I was cooking back then. So I think around 
15 30 or something wow. like that and that yeah area. that's I mean, really I could, really good yeah, yeah i could really fly back then and yeah. i just started running again recently and today i ran my fastest 5k since i restarted running and i was i think it was like a 723 average pace yeah oh that's great man. 702 mile yeah so but i was just running so much and that was my life so i think the physical thing and the hanging out with the the guys all the time allowed me to have almost zero anxiety and yeah. I, I wonder like for you in high school and college with wrestling was that a high anxiety time or a low anxiety and obviously it was much more competitive i guess well you know I, 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 that's a really interesting theory because i don't think i had a ton of anxiety back then and, I, and, and it was because it, it was physically exhausting and you're also just you know i had really good parents like i, I was busy all the time. Like, you know, you, you do it with activities and stuff like that. Um, you know, I remember having a lot of anxiety before the matches, uh, especially in college. Um, right. And it, it co like college wrestling in high school, I, I was good, you know, I, I was pretty good. So in high school, the last two years, you know, so there was probably three or four times when I was like, there was actually a chance that I could lose, you, you know, it just, I, I was just in college, no matter whether you win by 10 points or you lose, or it's just brutal. Like you just, you, you, you just come off the mat feeling like you, you're, it's just going to be really, really hard on you cardiovascularly. Uh, even if you win, you know, I remember winning like eight to two and being like, God, I just feel like I, I, I uh, like I went through a meat grind, you know? Right. So I think there was anxiety about that. And then I learned not too long ago, I should have seen it, but I, you know, that I, I had some serious OCD issues that I, I think, um, I, if I would have known about, I, I might've been better, you know, uh, better at wrestling. wrestling. Or yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I had more, I, I, I had, I had success. I, I had a lot of success, but I think I could have had even more if I would have just gotten out of my head a little bit or even recognized that I, that I had OCD. And I sort of found out when I was living in New York. That, that I had OCD. Uh, now, is that something, because I'm an OCD sufferer myself, was that something that you went and had diagnosed or did you just start to understand, yeah, pick these things up? Man, I'll tell you the story. And uh, there's probably some of it that I don't want to share, but I'll tell you. Um, so I was, I was in, living in New York, you know, when you and I were hanging out here, here and there. And um, I went to some, some checkup and... Uh, you know, just your normal physical or whatever. And there's that question where they ask you like, you know, are you depressed or, or something like that? And, uh, you know, all the times before I was like, no, that's, that's no, I'm not depressed. I'm fine. There's people that are suffering or, you know, there's people I, I have no, I'm a comedian. Like I have the easiest life. And that day, you know, I was just like, yeah, I just answered it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I am. And the guy asked me about it. And I kind of told them, and what I told them was like, man, I, I am just, uh, have all these horrible, guilty feelings at, at certain times. And some of them are rational. Like some of them I'm remembering stuff that I did and I feel awful about it, you know, from 10, 20, 30 years ago. And then some of them I'm remember, like I'm, would imagine in something that could have happened 20 years ago that I, a situation I was in, like, I don't remember everything that went down th during that event. 
and maybe there's, I can't really remember, I can't really prove that I didn't do this one thing. So maybe I did this terrible thing, right. which, which, and this sounds crazy, I'm sure to you. And, and I, and I had this going on since I was a kid and, uh, you know, I would like, as a little kid, I remember confessing to like breaking stuff that I didn't break, you know, <laughs> you know, and it, it sounds insane, but it just, it would, it would sneak up on me at different times in my life. And for whatever reason, during time when I was in New York, it was really hitting me hard. And I'd never really said it out loud to anybody. And the guy was like, yeah, man, let me have you talk to our uh, social worker that's on staff here. And I'm like, I'm not talking to a social worker. Like what that, that sounds like, that's not, no, I'm not talking. There's like, trust me. He's like, had to talk me into it. She's like, really? She's, she's good. You know, she's, so I, 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 it was terrifying. I talked to her. The most thing I was terrified was like, I'm going to tell these people that like, I imagine that I did this stuff and they're going to be like, well, you did it. We know you did it. You know, right. you know? so I, 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 you know, I, I was in Brooklyn and I remember just sort of spilling my guts out to this lady and she was like, yeah, that's uh, that sounds a whole lot like OCD. She's like, that sounds, and I'm like, well, nobody ever said OCD. I don't think it's OCD. You know, she's like, that sounds a whole lot. She goes, you know, you live in New York city. She goes, let me, let me do this. Let me call around and let me, you know, basically therapy was founded on the Upper West Side of New York City. She's like, there's a guy somewhere in the city that's the best for what you're talking about. At least let me hook you up. So I went and I saw this guy. And I mean, the day I walked in there, he's like, I start talking for 20 minutes. He's like, this is a thing called scrupulosity OCD. Um, and it's uh, mostly common with people with religious backgrounds. And I'm like, well, I'm not. He's like, but it happens with other people, you know. And uh, just the fact that he said that it was a thing really, I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is a thing. This isn't, I thought this was only me. I thought this was only my thing. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, I got some help from him and I'm, you know, it's, it creeps back up now and I should probably be seeing a therapist more, but it, it really helped just to see him for 10 times. And I have other OCD stuff too, like the normal, you know, some of the, the other kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, I remember just like in wrestling, imagining like this guy, like I still remember, my senior year, I was wrestling in the conference finals against this guy that was not good, Joe. He was not, he was not good. And in my mind, I was like, I, I don't think I can beat this guy. I just had it imagined, you know, I just created this version of this guy. And I went out and won like 15 to nothing and, you know, in like two minutes. And I, and I did more and more on that in college. I was just, I was just in my head a little too much, you know? Right. So when you say the OCD, I want to come back around to a lot of that. Yeah, that was like, a lot, to, a lot, but uh, yeah. But when you um, say the OCD negatively affected your wrestling career, do you mean that just that the mental thing of like building up these opponents to greater yeah, than they were? Yeah. And I think a lot of irrational thought, you know, or just thought alone. I think, you know, I think, um, when you get to a certain level, you know, I was a division one college wrestler. We were good. You know, I was in the big eight conference back then, which is like the big 12 now. And I, you know, I was wrestling the best guys in the country. I was wrestling Olympians. I was good. You know, I wasn't uh, going to make the Olympic team or anything, uh, but I was, I was good. And I think sometimes you think, well, it's got everything to do with how you mentally prepare for the, it. Doesn't you're just, you're just good. And I think the less you think and the more you just wrestle, um, and more realizes this is not the, the end of the world one way or the other, um, the, the better. And I just didn't have the tools to, I, I don't think I had the tools to, to uh, notice what a rational thought was back then. Right. I just right. thought it was, and, and you know, I've heard even 
just in the few times I've tried meditating or whatever, they talk a lot about, it's just a thought that doesn't mean that it has this, because it, this thing popped in your head doesn't mean that it has the weight of the world or that it's some sort of indication of truth or, or, you know, um, which I, I, I didn't as a college kid, I definitely didn't, you know, I just didn't have the tools to understand that. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard thing to understand. I think it takes like, I mean, it's taken me years to understand it. And there's so many things that you get told and they just don't even make sense until it just clicks one day. The idea of like identifying with thoughts is something that only in the last like few months have I actually like truly understood is that your thoughts are not reality and fear is just fear, which it took me, you know, thousands of dollars in therapy to realize that like, oh, this is just a fear. It's just a thought. And I'm identifying with this thought that I'm a piece of shit or that I'm going to lose uh, meat or that I suck at comedy or that everyone hates me, whatever it is. You ever had the um, thing where you're, uh, you're, um, you know, you're afraid you're going to forget your act on a TV set. Oh, completely. Yes. Yeah, I've had that several times. And I think there's some of that that was, you know, so long ago, I think there was some of that kind of thing in, in wrestling. I think, I think it was like, I'm, I'm not, not that I would forget how to wrestle, but that I just wouldn't perform well, or I would, uh, you know, uh, I'd run out of gas, all that kind of stuff. I, w- I was, it was, it was a rational fear of running out of gas. And, and I think that's just something that great athletes, better athletes than me just sort of, I've heard people say like, you can't for college wrestling, you can't train so much that you're not going to get tired. You just can't, you're going to get tired and it's going to hurt. So I think a lot of times you're like, no, just train so hard that you're used to getting tired and you won't get tired. You can't. So I think you have to sort of make friends with getting tired. Be like, Hey, I'm going to be at this exhaust exhausted level and I'm just going to have to, you know, act. Well, yeah. And it becomes this thing that I'm always working on that my therapist is always hammering into my brain too, of accepting your worst fear. Whereas in that situation is like, okay, so worst case scenario, I am completely out of gas and I am pinned and I lose to another division one <laughs> yeah, wrestler. Yeah. And yeah. it's nobody's like, you law, you piece of shit. It's like, yeah, yeah. people lose. Like that's Whoa. the worst case scenario is you lose a wrestling match. I, you know, uh, unfortunately, like I sort of had that experience early in my career. We, uh, we wrestled against Northern Iowa and I was like a, you know, a freshman, a redshirted freshman. And, uh, they were, they were really, really good. And they had this, like this gym, it was kind of a small gym in Northern Iowa and everybody was piled on top of each other. And they had like a, the, the whole mat was dark and they put like a light that went right over the mat. And the place was really knowledgeable about wrestling and um, we, we, you know, we wrestled, our team was getting beat up. We were just getting beat up. And I, I didn't cut my weight that well. And I, I got on the bottom against this guy and I just could not move, man. I just, I just couldn't move. I couldn't get off the bottom. And, you know, I didn't get pinned or anything, but I was just laying on the mat and the ref, there's a thing in wrestling called stalling, which I know your high school is really big at wrestling. Like this means you're not, you're kind of not, you're trying to shut down and play real conservative and you're not opening up and it, you're not advancing the match. And I was stalling. And it's like, you, it's like a, a point, a warning, a point, a point, two points. And then I think you get disqualified or something. And I, I didn't get disqualified, but I came like right up to it. And the, the ref, the ref was like playing to the crowd. I'm on the mat. <laughs> 
I'm on the mat and, uh, and I'm just laying there and this guy's trying to turn me and I won't go over, but I just won't open up. And he finally pounds on the mat. It's like quiet. And he goes, you okay down there, son. And the whole place is like, ah, <laughs> it's like it was like like a Def Jam crowd or something. Like this guy's killing, and I'm just down there, and uh, so it was it was just a, a really uh, off. I felt physically beat and mentally beat. And my, my coach was this guy Wes Roper. He was pretty tough. So and, and our team got we got beat up pretty bad, and um, so we go back to the hotel. And we're, we all had to sit on these two beds in this terrible hotel and watch the video of the match. Okay. Oh, so I'm like, I'm 150 at the time. I think I wrestled 150, which is like the fifth weight class out of 10. And he's going through the, he goes through by weight class and he goes through the first four guys. And these guys, there's this guy Lovelace at 126 that he literally, he would show Lovelace getting taken down on the edge of the mat. He'd just show him like crumbling. And then he'd rewind and then show it again. He showed it like 15 times and he's just railing Lovelace. Like, what the fuck are you doing, Lovelace? That's the most pathetic thing. And I'm thinking, I did 30 times worse than Lovelace. <laughs> like, this is, this, is, this is way, way worse. So we get to, the, uh, we get to my match and I'm like, this is going to be the end of me. This is going to be the worst day, worst thing that's ever. And he goes, uh, back then, you know, there wasn't a, we didn't have a huge budget. And if you were like one of the backups, you had to do the videotaping. And it was this guy named Aaron Martinez. He brought along for the trip just to videotape. And he goes, Warren, he goes, Martinez fucked up the tape. Somehow we didn't get your match. You're oh. an embarrassment. And like never have I loved a man more in my life than Aaron <laughs> Martinez at that point. Yeah. So like, and that thing, that thing, like I always remembered that you know, my body remembered that. And he never let me forget it. Like I was our captain, you know, I think junior and senior year, I was really good. But if I had one or two bad practices, he'd go, Warren, that reminds me of when you laid down at Northern Iowa. <laughs> That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And also just a great metaphor for life. That thing that you're dreading and dreading of like, yeah. here we go. It's my turn. Yeah. And then something happens that it's like, ah, we don't have it. Yeah. He yeah, was like, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I finally got a break, man. Um, that's amazing. But, um, I forget what I was going to say about it because that's such a great story, but God bless, uh, Aaron Martinez. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. I love that guy, man. I love ever, him to this you day. You ever reach out to him? You ever, you ever write you know, to now him? Now that you say, I say should, that? man, I should reach out and be like, dude, that's, a, that's the kindest thing you've ever done for a human being. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, Brian Regan's great bit about the, when it was like science experiment day and he just has a cup of dirt. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the teacher's coming around. He's like, it's a cup of dirt. Move on. <laughs> just, that's your cup of dirt. Was Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Stalling. Yeah. I remember when you laid down at Northern Iowa, Warren. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know, like we, I ran, like it said, and I ran in high school and it was stressful because you wanted to perform well and everything, but I guess in cross country also in track, it's not quite as um, individual based. I feel like stand up is a better metaphor for wrestling than running is. Running, wow. I ran cross country too. I just remembered a horrible. I I I passed out one time in a uh, race, and an ambulance came. I just remembered that. That was oh, another humiliating. <laughs> well, you, you literally laid down on that one. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I started weaving, and I fell down. And um, but yeah, stand up. I think is 
has a lot of parallels, you know, uh, and I, and I, I think, you know, we've all had those sets early in our career where, um, you know, you just eat it so hard and, and you're just, you, I think the first five years, you're just sort of playing defense against that experience, you know, which means you're probably not open, you know, especially me, I didn't open myself up enough or I didn't take any, as many chances because I'm like, I can't go through that one thing again. Um, right. It's a thing where, do you remember early in your career where like you kind of, you, you were in over your head, you got booked for some gig and you were in over your head time-wise? And, oh, um, of course. And uh, you got that thing and I'm like, okay, all right, now I, now I, don't, I don't have that much time, but I know how I'm going to get through this. I've got these five big bits. These are killers. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to space those out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do that one. And then, uh, and then five minutes later, I'll get to this one. I'm just going to sort of bridge the gap in between these killer bits. And then you get up there and you do those, you get through those five bits in the first six minutes and they don't work. And you're like, well, here's, (laughs) you guys are in store for something. That was my best stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, th- I mean that brings to mind so many different things. But I've I've told um, it reminds me of a couple of different stories. One is the um, Chris Rock story on um, I think it was um, uh, who's the Joan Rivers show. I think it was oh, Joan yeah? Rivers show. Do you ever hear that story? No. Where so he had he was you know doing all the the road and everything and all these hell gigs and he finally got a TV set. And they timed it out where the band kicks in. What's your last joke? And he's like, okay, this is my last bit. And this is the last line. And that's the cue for the band. And he goes out and he does his first joke and it bombs. And so he's got that road mentality. So he goes, just give him my best bit. Just hit him with my best bit. Oh no! he bombs a quick joke, goes straight into his A bit. And he finishes it and the band goes, <laughs> and he's like 90 seconds into his set. And he's just like, okay, good night. That's the show. And he comes off and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Because so, the band has no idea that a, a comic might switch up the order or whatever. They're just like, oh, that's the line. Hit it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, I love that. But uh, what was the other thing I was thinking of? Oh, God, I, I had so many thoughts all hit me at once. But, um, oh, shit. I was, I was Nick Griffin and I were talking about that same the, the thing a couple of days ago on the phone about that, you using up all your good stuff early and even that doesn't work, you know? It's the worst feeling in the world. I mean, <laughs> I've, I've had that with like, um, spot, like I, I've started doing MMA a, a little while ago. I haven't been able to do it, but, and, I, you know, with spar and obviously I'm fighting a guy who's like a black belt, jujitsu black belt. But he's, you know, obviously playing down to kind of teach me. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I think I got, you know, in your head, you're like, I think if I fake with my leg and come with a a hook, and then it's like, it's just like comedy. You know, you're like, I do that. He checks that, checks this, and punches me in the face. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing. (laughs) I'm like, shit, that was my whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And you're 10 seconds into the round, and I'm like, all right, I got 250 left, and the one big move I had just wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, that was the other thing I, I thought about a while ago when I also forgot my train of thought was there's Dave Chappelle has a story he told about doing Night at the Apollo when he was like a teenager and his mother and grandmother came and they hated him. They booed him off stage and they pulled him off. 
And he had this thought, this epiphany of like, this is not that bad. You know, I'm getting booed off stage. My grandmother's here. My friends are here. But it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And he said, after that, I was fearless. And that's wow. that thing of like accepting your worst fear of like, you got, you know, killed by this Northern Iowa guy and it's embarrassing, but you're like, I'm still alive. I'm still yeah. here. Yeah. It sucks that that happened and you want to correct it, but your worst fear kind of came true. Yeah. You know, the, the referee is getting big laughs at your oh, killing, on killing, the Joe. Yeah. killing. So it's like, I mean, a, a wrestling match can't go much worse than that other than, you know, your singlet falls off or whatever the hell. Right. The guy kisses you on the lips or something. But, you know, it's, it went as, as poorly as he could go. And you're still there to tell the story. You know, after that, you're like, OK, I had the worst experience I can have. Yeah. And there's I something nice about that. Yeah. I wish you would have been there back then, man, to tell me these things. I think it would have helped. I wouldn't have had that wisdom. I would have been like, there's the fucking nerd. That, that his ass kicked. I mean, I mean, I would have been five probably. So <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is true, man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Sarah and I have been talking about that a lot. Like I just spent some time with my family. Like I wish, I mean, everyone wishes this, I guess, is that you could go back and have the knowledge you have now when you were a kid. Oh with, God like bullies or even my own family, which has like some bully mentality. I wish I could go back and be like, you're sad. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, like, yeah, you don't yeah. even like your wife. You're a sad guy. <laughs> you're picking on a 12 year old. Cause I don't want to touch a fish. That's insane. <laughs> Who wants to touch a fish? That's crazy. Why would I, instead of just being like, he's right. I'm a bitch. I'm a pussy. I should, yeah, yeah, I yeah. should like fishing. I should have been like, what kind of creepy guy is upset with a kid for not wanting to handle a live fish? You know what I mean? Like, I wish I could do that of like, you're an unhappy, sad person, but you don't get those skills till later. I just, man, you just, I just had this flash of a thought of something. I did a show the other night and um, it was my, my brother lives in Mississippi and, and um, I went to visit him and I have this other, my, my college wrestling buddy, uh, has a bar right next to my brother's house in Mississippi in, in the summer. My brother lives down there with it, the, you know? And, uh, so he asked me to do a show and I did, I probably shouldn't have, you know, um, but I did. And in the middle of the show, like this guy's, his name is chip in the middle of the show. This guy's like screaming, give us some stories about chip, you know, tell us some stories about, and I, I think I opened it up. Like I, it wasn't like he interrupted. I was like, you guys want to talk about anything and, uh, tell us some stories about chip. And I'm like, Nah, you know, I'm not going to, and I told some like relatively what I thought was funny story, but it didn't talk, you know, there was nothing sex oriented about it, which is what, that's all they ever really want was sex or embarrassing bathroom or sex things, you know? And, uh, and, uh, he's like, come on, give him like, Hey man, how like much of a weirdo are you that like that you want to hear sex stories about a guy 30 years ago that was 19 years old like what is wrong with you like I did and I think I like I had the wherewithal at 51 to be like oh hey this is you know this this is weird where I, I would have been like you know we were when we were kids like all right I guess I should probably tell him the sex story that's what he's asking for you know I, I am a, I am lame for not willing to t talk about that sex story you know right yeah, I mean, there's so many moments like that where you just wish you could go back to every uh, moment. I, I feel that athletically, too, where you're just like, God, like I remember playing baseball when I was young and, and being good at it. 
yeah. and, and, you know, above average, but also still standing at home just with this terrible fear of getting hit by the ball of like, yeah. that, hit me like to just go back and be like, that's nothing. Like, these, yeah. first of all, it's all relative, but you're like, these kids are throwing 40 miles an hour. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you're just like, how f- hilarious. Yeah. And so many of those things of like bullies and people where you're like, that guy was uh, just a scared shitless yeah. fat kid. Cause when yeah. you're young, when we were young, a fat kid was like a powerful kid. That was like the bullies. And you're just like, you wish you could go back and just be like, this guy, he's just fat. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Not, yeah. Nothing again, you know, fat people, whatever. But back then you're like, he's so big. Yeah. It's not like he was jacked. This is like, I'm talking like fourth, fifth grade. It was just like right. a chubby kid who was mean. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I wish I, you do wish you could go back. And then you want to say that I was saying that to my nephew this week as we were playing of trying to be like, don't, listen to all these uncles and older but they're just full of shit yeah 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 they're just full of shit and they're just trying to have a little bit of dominance in their adult life because they feel out of control so they're yeah. trying to control you don't let them bother you oh your your nephew's lucky joe he's got you man oh thanks yeah. I, I hope so i mean i don't know how much he listened but um <laughs> hopefully it gets through to him but like one percent of it is you know like one, if 1% of it got through, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's great. That's know? something. Well, I try to, the, I've been trying to do this. Sarah and I were just talking about this too, of trying to, it's hard to fully like, influence people, nephews and cousins, because you don't get to spend that much time with them. But I've realized I can try to be an influence in that. I can show them that you can be in a happy relationship, that I love my wife and we have a great time together. Yeah. And I love my job and my life to at least show the young kids of the family that like you can be a happy adult. Yeah. Because I didn't see, I don't know about you, but like, I didn't see a ton of that when I was a kid. There was just really? a lot of like, not that my family was all, my parents got along fine, but there wasn't, there was a lot of like on the weekends we drink and then that's fun. But the weekdays are pretty miserable. It's yeah. I, I was, I, I was like extremely lucky the way I grew up, you know, like I just, I very, loving and functional parents. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, my dad was my, my high school wrestling coach. So, um, there was some tension there, but, uh, yeah, I, I, and, and a lot of my extended family were really, really well adjusted too. So right. any, any shortcomings or failures are it's on me, Joe, I can tell you that. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, well, a therapist would disagree, I think. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah um, yeah. So you're not doing therapy now, but you did it for a while. I did it for a while in New York, not very long. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I went to like one session maybe a year ago in St. Louis and, uh, I probably should go again. Cause I think I definitely find myself in some irrational thought. One of the things about like, um, the ways to treat OCD is through exposure, you know? So yeah. like if, I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, if, if the, if you're afraid of germs, well, you need to lick the ground or whatever, what's the worst thing that, or, you know, or if you're, they really do that. Like, or if you um, are afraid that the, you know, that you left the stove on, you just have to imagine what's the worst case, expose yourself to, well, the house might, it might burn down. You know, right. you just have to, but with the scrupulosity thing, it was like, I had to expose myself to, he would be like, well, let's just expose yourself to maybe you did these horrible things, you know? And that was a little painful. But then after a while, I was like, 
he'd be like, well, tell me about how you did this thing. And I'm like, I didn't do that thing, man. It's ridiculous. It's in my head. It's, I know I didn't now, you know, I know I didn't, you know, before I, so maybe it worked or maybe I just didn't go deep enough, but some of the exposure, um, therapy, it didn't seem to maybe just worked great right away, but I think I should probably do a little bit more of it. Yeah. Well, I had, I've shared about it a bunch, by the way, there's another comic that has the same thing we can talk about off, uh, off air. Um, that uh, maybe you guys could kind of bond over that because he was the first person I heard about with that. And I was like, I have OCD, but I'm like, I don't have that. That's like, it's, yeah. it's hard not to react that way. Like, geez, yeah. that's fucking crazy. Yeah, um, yeah it is. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> but, but yeah, my therapist, um, I was like, I think I have OCD. No one ever diagnosed me. And like, if this is like eight sessions in my therapist, was like, you need somebody to tell you you have obsessive compulsive thoughts. I was like, well, you know, he's like, okay, sure. Yeah, you, you do. Like, he was like, the way he put it was just so great. He's like, you really need to be told this. Where do you want me to sign, man? I got it. But you also have people criticizing self-diagnosis and people being like, he doesn't really have that. And that, that's like the first thing. If you say you have some kind of mental disorder, people are like, well, was it diagnosed? So people yeah. are skeptical. So it, it does help to have somebody. But what you said, I've shared about it a bunch, the same exact experience when I was having horrible panic attacks. When I first started having horrible panic attacks in my early 20s. I thought I was dying and losing my mind. And like, same as you, I thought I had Joe List disease. I thought I was yeah. going crazy. And then I went and saw this therapy, uh, this therapist. And she was like, yeah, you have panic disorder. That's panic attack. And gave me like a pamphlet and immediately I felt like 85% better just being yeah. like, oh, okay, this is a uh, thing people have. Th- that was the biggest thing just to know it was a thing, you know? Yeah, like, oh, this has been diagnosed and studied. Great. All right, thank you. That's all I needed. Like, you could just be like, all right, take care. I'm out of here. Although now that I think about it, man, is it is it like, <laughs> what if there was like a thing where it was like, you're the only one, would they tell you? Or they'd be like, oh, no, this, that's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, they're like, oof. <laughs> Yeah, we don't like, uh, we don't never heard that before. This is uh, <laughs> <laughs> that. I mean, that really is because you think about that. Obviously, you're a big baseball guy. I'm a big baseball guy where there's like almost never a thing that happens that hasn't happened at some point. Yeah. Like it's like a, a, a grand slam that bounced off the center fielder's head and got caught by a fan who was leaning over the fence. Well, that happened last time, July 3rd, yeah, 1988. Yeah. And you're oh like, my. gee, like, so it feels like we're running out of things that have never been diagnosed before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you worry that, uh, about that with material too, which that was, that was a big, um, scrupulosity OCD thing early in my comedy career. And I have it now, you know, where it's like that bit came a little too easy, man. Where did, did I pick that up somewhere or did, and you just sort of have to be like, ah, I'm going to trust that, uh, you know, I'm going to trust I'm on the right on this one. I, I did a little research, uh, you know, I, I, uh, uh, and hopefully my friends will, you know, let me know if somebody else is doing this or, you know, did something before that. Cause that, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, yeah, I, I was just trailing off. Weak <laughs> thought. <laughs> it reminded me, it made me think of, uh, David tell who must have that as, as far as he does relation to comedy where, I've joked about it before, but he'll call you and be like, hey, do you do a joke about a uh, stripper wearing roller skates on the 4th of July uh, <laughs> during a solar eclipse? And you're like, what? 
He's like, I think I've heard it before. I'm like, no. He did that to me one time. He texted me. You know, and I'm not, I'm not close friends with Dave. I'm, you know, obviously I've known him forever and admire him, but he did that. And I'm like, nah, Dave. And I remember thinking, man, like, Dave, you might have what I have, which is, you know, that's, that's probably a rational thought, but it's because I've done that a ton of times. I, uh, I did it. I had like something on YouTube, you know, some clip on YouTube and, uh, Somebody com like it's an idiot. I'm reading YouTube comments, and somebody commented, uh, "Yeah, I've heard Brian Regan do this bit," and I'm like, "Oh no, man! Did I take a bit from Regan?" You know. So, uh, and I know Brian not well, but I know him. He's just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and I um I know his brother, and I and Joe Zimmerman, who's a, a great comic and a buddy of mine, opens for me. I was like, "Hey, Joe." could you give me Brian's email, man, or see if it's okay? So I, I email Brian like this long, <laughs> I'm like, Brian, here's uh, this lady said I did this thing. Uh, here's my bit. And uh, if I did, I'm so sorry. I, I, I have seen you. Maybe I, and as long as we're talking about, these are two other bits that I've wondered if maybe I got from you because we have similar. And then, uh, so Regan's like, it's fine. It's like, Hey, call me tomorrow, you know? And I, uh, I call him up man, and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, where are you at, man? I was like, ah, I'm in St. Louis. He goes, ah, I'd have figured you were in uh, San Quentin or something like that because you're such a thief. <laughs> like, oh, no, man. No, I swear. He's like, I'm kidding, man. I've never done any of those bits. I don't do any. I haven't done anything re related to those bits, man. You're nothing at all. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's a great feeling. God, he's the best. What a great Oh, he's such a nice guy, man. Yeah. Great guy. Uh, I hung with him. Um, a few months ago, or obviously a few months ago, I like maybe God, it might have been like a year ago now. But I was in Omaha, no Des Moines. I was in Des Moines, and he was working the theater, and he reached out and uh, had everyone reach out. We went and met at the bar and hung out after his theater show. And oh man, he was just making me laugh. Such a great guy. Ah, uh, no, no more fun guy to hang out with uh, after this. I'm friends with his uh, brother Dennis, who's his, just this great comedian too. Yeah, and a great guy. But uh, yeah, that's the worst feeling. I remember my early on, one of my like my big bit, like we were talking about earlier, when you think you have like this heavy ammunition early on, we were like, I'll hit him with that one. <laughs> and uh, I had a bit about a guy that I met named Bob Oblob, O-B-L-O-B. -B. That was his name, Bob Oblob. And I had a whole bit about this guy, if he got pulled over and they're like, have you been drinking? And he's like, no. And he's like, what's your name? Bob Oblob. And they're like, all right, we're taking you in. And Oblob, Bob, Bob Oblob. And I did this whole thing. And evidently, there was a character on the show Arrested Development, which I had never watched. And there was some character with a very similar name. Yeah. And I remember doing the bit. And I had heard a couple of people say like, oh, there's a guy on Arrested Development. And then there was one, you know, old Boston comic that thought everyone was a thief. And he's like, they stole it from you. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm like 19 years old and I'm yeah. working like VFWs. I'm like, I don't yeah. think they did. <laughs> but I remember doing a show and walking out afterwards and I killed. And some guy, like as I was walking, like he said it loud enough for me to hear. He's like, he fucking stole that Bob Oblob from Arrested oh, Development. Man. And it was like devastating. And of course, and this is like, plays into uh, mental health and all this stuff. Or the, or, or what do you call it? Um, at the time, I remember being like, I can't drop that bit. That's my best bit yeah, I've ever yeah, had. It's like my signature <laughs> bit. Yeah. And you look back and you're like, I was two years in and it's literally like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's just like, at the time, I was like, the greatest piece of material I'll ever write. I'll never yeah. have a better joke. And yeah. I dropped it and it was fine. You know, nothing... Yeah. 
you'll never convince a comic, you know, in their first five years that they're going to be doing different material in, in a year or two from then, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. I remember saying too, I had this bit about Snoop Dogg, gin and juice where he says it's two in the morning and the party's still jumping. Cause my mama ain't home. And I was like, why is Snoop living at home? And it was like this whole bit. And I was like, I live at home and that get that would get in the way of me pimping hose and clocking a grip. And I had this thing and I was like, this is the best bit. I'm like, this yeah. is the best bit I've I like ever it. had. It's not bad, but then it's like, there's, you realize that a ton of people have bits about yeah, hip hop yeah. lyrics and it's like, and then people would point out, they're like, well, Snoop was 19 when that song came out. And you're like, ah, shit. All right. Uh, baby. Yeah, oh yeah. Now it's, it's also irrational. Didn't at home. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he was like a 20 year old kid. <laughs> like, oh. uh, that's uh, yeah. That, that guy's a jerk for pointing that out. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know what? I, I, there's times where I think I've been on the wrong side of it. Like I had a bit that I did, yeah, I did it on TV and I did it on, uh, and I, and I, I listened one day on the, on Sirius and I heard Kevin Brennan do something and I was like, man, mine's too close. And I've seen Brennan. I don't think I got it from him, but maybe I did. And, uh, I should not be doing that bit. And I called him and he was, couldn't have been cooler about it, but, uh, it's, um, you know, I, I you know, I had to accept that, Hey, I'm, I need to try to do the right thing. You may from time to time, wind up on the wrong side of it. If, 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 you, if I didn't have that mind frame, I couldn't write anything because everything I wrote, I'd be like, well, somebody's done that. Somebody's done that. You know? Yeah, it's hard. And it's like a, it's the worst feeling, but you got to do it. And then you're also like, all right, well, I guess he came up with it. But that's like talking about everything feels like it's been done. You read like George Carlin, George Carlin released like all three of his books in one book at one point. It was like a big green book and you read it and you're like, there's my bit. There's another bit. Yeah, there's yeah, a Greg yeah. Warren bit. There's a wow. Lou bit. There's a wow. fucking DePaulo. Like that guy has touched on everything. I mean, he's yeah. just did it for 40 years. So you're like, it's, it's not like it's like a full bit, but you're like, it's just a line that you're like, damn, that's the same thought. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's uh, yeah. We can, I think you comedians can spot the same, like the core of the, the joke real quick. Be like, ah, to the casual eye, those look like two different jokes, but it's coming from the same place. Right. And it's something that you just kind of have to be like, well, we're all going to have somewhat similar-ish bits. That's why with stand-up, it's so important to try to do as personal as possible of like, here's a story yeah. about my Uncle Dale doing this thing. Yeah. I, 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 that's why I started writing that way. With two reasons. One, for that, I was like, you know, I, I didn't un understand that I had scrupulosity issues back then. So I was like, I just have to write about playing the clarinet and wrestling. Nobody else can do that. You know, I won't be, couldn't take that from anybody. And then also like I, I learned pretty quick if there was this one thing, like when I was starting out like there, Oh, pizza hut, put cheese in the crust, you know? Um, so if a hundred comics write jokes about the cheese and the crust at pizza hut, mine is probably going to be about the 65th best joke at best. Like I, I just can't, when, and when everybody's writing about the same thing, my joke's not the best one. You know, I, I got to write about something else. I feel the same way. And uh, that's why I, I never wrote any packets for like for to submit for TV. Oh, writing, yeah. to write a packet of topical jokes. And I'm like, I can't spend that much time because I don't have that skill set. You do, though. Yeah. Like I would be sad if you did that job for too long because because you're such a great stand up comic. But uh, 
you could easily do that job. Oh, I know thanks. that for sure. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, I always wanted, I like the idea of getting a writing job where someone just goes, Oh, I like that. You come in. I'm like, I don't want to yeah. submit for it, but we talked about it. You did some stuff. You're friends with Billy Gardell, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of, you've chatted with him and you kind of had some lines and ideas for the show or yeah, no, 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 I don't want to say that. No, definitely not. No. Who, who was I thinking about? Cause I was, I hung out with John again. Um, when he was about to do his show yeah. and he hung out in the writer's room and threw a few lines out there and they were like, Hey, that's good. And I felt like this, I could do. Oh, I know you did. I did that I with Tommy do. too, for that show. I, I remember going in on that show. Maybe that's do, what I was thinking about. Yeah. I don't think we were in there together, but I remember doing that. And Mar Mark gross who, uh, uh, wrote on the show, one of Billy's shows, uh, Mike and Molly is a real close friend. And, uh, he's had a couple of pilots that I've gone in and, uh, you know, pitch stuff and, and it's usually not very good. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking about. I confuse those two. But yeah, I remember Mark, you telling me do, a story of like hanging out and, and throwing some lines out there. And I yeah, I do like talk to Mark almost every other day about his. He's got various writing product projects, and he also, you know, helps me. He's that one guy. I, mean, I can be like, "Hey, man, I got this bit. What do you think?" You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and he asks me, and he asks me what I think about his. Uh, he'll be like, "That's great. That's great." And it'll never wind up in the script ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard to get them in there, I guess. And uh, nor did my lines make it into Tommy's. But at the time they wrote it, down. they might have been humoring me. They all wrote it down. No, like, no, Ooh. I'm sure they. Yeah. But uh, that is a thing, though, with that writing room stuff. It's like it is this weird thing, like your idea that could be the seed to another idea to another one. And it doesn't even look like your idea when they get done with it. But your part in that was vital. Right, you know? right. That but that anyway, the point is that that kind of writing I really love. I like yeah. that idea of being in a group and we're telling a story and you're like, no, no, what if she said this instead? Yeah, yeah. And then he responds with this, that kind of writing. But again, it's writing that like, I would like someone that has a show to be like, oh, you're good at this. You come in as opposed to being like writing a spec script or something. But then that goes back to just fear and laziness. And sure, sure. Did you say you're writing thoughts. a book or something right now? I was working on a book and I got one criticism from a book agent and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, she's right. I'm a piece of shit. What was I thinking? But uh, maybe I'll go back to it because yeah, a lot man. of people were encouraging. But um, um, anyway, Billy Gardell, by the way, one of the best guys. Of oh, that dude I mean, was really nice guy and just a, Man, he's one of those guys I'm envious of. He's like a powerhouse stand-up comic where he just gets on stage and it's like this guy has a presence right away. You know? Yeah. And he's um I I got in with him through you. We did a radio show together and I was like, Hey, I'm friends with Greg Warren. And he's like, Well, oh, if you're really? friends with Greg, you must be a great guy. Oh, that's and, cool, uh, man. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we're, we're, hey Joe, run that by me next time, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I might have actually. I feel like I might have. I'll have to go through the text, but um uh, hey, we gotta we gotta wrap up, but man, this was so much fun. We went a little uh, off the rails there, but uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I hope the audience did too. Uh, it's great talking to you, buddy. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure. Oh, oh, hey, can I plug my special? Oh yeah, please. I'll plug it at the beginning, but please plug it now. Uh, I, I I got a new uh, new comedy special out uh, called "Where the Field Corn Grows." Where the field corn grows. I can't say the name of my own special. <laughs> Where the field corn grows. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, we got to, uh, Sarah and I got to watch it uh, tonight because uh, uh, yeah, we're looking yeah. forward to it. You know, and I, you know something I, I will remember is uh, it, it, it's, it's a lot about farming, but I remember you guys came to St. Louis one time and uh, it was one of those times when I was like maybe right after a project where you just can't get anything started from a material base. You're like, oh, I got to come up with another hour and this, this the first. 
and I was just throwing stuff out there and I told, I told this joke about it. And I remember you, you were like, Hey man, I like, I like that. Uh, I like that, that green bean joke. I'm like, all right, well maybe, maybe, maybe I got something in there. And that actually became sort of like the starting point for this hour. So, oh, nice. So thanks Joe. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you. I mean, that I remember Mike Donovan, who's a great comic in Boston, uh, old time guy saying again, like I was two years in and, uh, it was one of those lines that like I died laughing at bombed, but I was in the back of the room and he's like, well, you afterwards, he's like, well, did you laugh at that? And I was like, Oh my God, I thought that was hilarious. He's like, okay, I'm going to keep working it. Cause if, if yeah. one guy, especially yeah. a comic, and it was like one of the first times somebody respected me as a comic to be like, all right, if a comic and this yeah. like guy who was 30 years in was calling me a comic, I was yeah, like, yeah, Oh yeah, my yeah, God, I'm a comic. I'm a comic. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was like, it meant a lot. So, um, well, glad I could do it, but yeah, everyone go check out, the special Greg is one of my favorite comics and I uh, appreciate you having uh, or being on. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. Yeah. And, th and thanks for getting me uh, started on meditation, man. Uh, awesome. All right. Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. I'm going to hit stop. And then uh, Sarah's here. If you want to say hello to Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let me hit stop. Mindful metal jacket is hosted by comedian Joe list produced by Joe list edited by Matt Kleinschmidt executive producers, Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.